welcome to the Weekend Review podcast, the last one for this financial year, it strikes me as. My name is Michael Crutcher and joining me, Jordan McDonald. Hi, Michael. It is the last one for this financial year and it's cold still. It is still a bit cold. I am in the jumper yet again. <laughs> it's I'm getting weaker. I certainly am. I enjoy winter but also look forward to the warm Absolutely, I'm climbs. Yep. A few things to look at. This week, and Jordan will. You can't see Jordan right now, but you can hear him rolling his eyes because I'm going to talk about the media and the courts because we've seen it get a lot of publicity this week, and it's something that, as Jordan knows, I have been talking about for quite some time. This week, we saw a, a very serious situation a highly publicized rape trial was delayed in the ACT following comments made by high-profile journalists um, in the Logie's acceptance speech on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I don't watch the Logies, but it seems to me this was the biggest thing that happened at the Logies, and it's a very serious issue. Um, some comments that were made at that Logie's acceptance speech were raised by the defence barrister ahead of this upcoming trial uh, saying that the publicity and the over the, the speech had made it difficult for their client to get a fair trial. Yep. So the ACT Chief Justice Lucy McCallum didn't miss in her comments when this was brought to the court's attention earlier this week. She... Um, quoted some comments that had been made and she said uh, in the courtroom, my purpose in quoting those is to demonstrate that each of those assume the guilt of of the accused. She said that remarks on social media, in her words, almost universally assume the guilt of the accused. She goes on to say, somewhere in this debate, the distinction between an untested allegation and the fact of guilt has been lost. The law of contempt has proved ineffective in this case. The public at large is given to believe guilt is established. The importance of the rule of law has been set at nil. So very strong words from a Chief Justice there because what we're talking about here uh, is essentially course of natural justice and being seen that the jurors who turn up to sit on any trial in this nation don't bring with them preconceived ideas that have been seen in media recently. Mm. They are supposed to, in a perfect world, come in with no preconception and to listen to the facts as they read out in the court and to listen to the argument in the court. Now, the ACT Chief Justice uh, noted, in her words, the irony that has I guess highlighted in this particular case, there's been a lot of discussion about the courts and their ability to deliver justice in matters of sexual assault. Mm -hmm. And the ACT Chief Justice said, this has evolved into a form of discussion which at this moment in time is the single biggest impediment to achieving that. She was not satisfied any directions to a jury So anything that was said to a jury could help the particular situation. The only option was therefore 
to temporarily vacate the trial, which means to move the trial back. Now, we don't know when that will happen now. There's been some suggestion that it'll be revisited in October. So what that means is justice is on hold now um, and the reporting has been around the fact that the media commentary has something to do with that. Now, this is something, as Jordan I alluded to before that I've spoken about for a long time here in our office because I think it is a problem that has been growing for some time. That is commentary in the mainstream media and on social media that could impact on the courts. Now, the courts, let's just talk about a few issues here. The courts are always looking for a fight with the media. Yep. Um, judges in particular don't like to be told what to do by the media mm -hmm. and they don't like to have their trials potentially jeopardised by reporting. All media know this and if they don't know this, they should. Um, judges don't like it and so be it. Um, that, that's a given. Now, media outlets have been pushing the limits now for some time, not just in what happened last week but in the way different stories are reported. We see numerous ones that we've worked on with clients where the legal advice that's given to us is that there are clear breaches of uh, legislation mm -hmm. in terms of the way these matters are reported. <laughs> now, what then has to happen is that someone has to bring that matter to the attention of the authorities because it's very rare, um, unless the court itself jumps up and down, it's very rare that the Attorney General's office or police will prosecute themselves. Okay. But things like identifying factors, so media can't, in the, in the situation of, uh, for instance, child victims of crime, etc., do anything that could identify who that victim would be. Mm -hmm. And that can be a whole bunch of things, even naming a school where someone yeah, attends, yeah. all of that type of thing. So this has been going on for some time now where media have been pushing the boundaries in the way they report on things. And while media can get away with it, they will try and do that. Absolutely. So adding to that, that media law is really expensive. To do media law properly, it costs a lot of money. Lawyers aren't cheap, we know that. Media outlets don't have the budgets, some of them don't have the budgets they used to have. Yep. So um, it becomes expensive. Social media pays very little respect to the process of justice, very little. Yes. Too many, and too many journalists live their lives on social media and maybe the boundaries have become blurred for them and seeing what's written on social media, which has no respect for that process. And finally, young journalists and even some very experienced journalists just don't understand how the legal system works. They just don't know. And at times, their lack of knowledge is scary, very scary. Put it this way. <clears throat> if someone is charged over a crime, you need to do nothing but report what happens in a courtroom or around what police might say as long as it doesn't jeopardise a trial. That is the safest way. If it's not set in a courtroom, don't report it. Now, when someone is first charged, it may take a couple of years for that matter to get to a trial. Mm -hmm. So some media outlets will gamble on something called time to trial. That is, you know what? We publish this now because if something does go to trial, that's two years away and any potential duo would probably have forgotten that by then. Right. And they gamble on the fact that if there is a prosecution brought up that the... Um, the court will say, well, it's, it's a couple of years away. Either way, the motto of all this is just get it right. That's the motto. The process of natural justice is far more important than just people looking for clicks online um, or to try to pump up a story beyond what it needs to be. The media, when it gets close to a trial in particular, have to step out of the way and let these things happen. And the other thing is 
if there is a matter before the courts, um, particularly getting close to trial, if it's not said in the court, just don't report it. It's not that hard. Just leave it alone. Yeah, it's not that hard. So <laughs> there's my rant, Jordan. You did well to sit through it. <laughs> You've heard it a million times. What are your thoughts on that? Look, I agree with you. I mean, until I worked here, I was pretty oblivious to the fact that reporters were so restricted um, from saying or reporting certain things. And then further, how little they sort of strictly followed those rules. Um, I'm aware, and we're both aware, we talk about it a bit, the ensuring clicks, you know, that'd probably be an element to this um, because reporting has become far more loose in some regards. It's harder to get people's attention now and revealing some of those additional details is a, is a nice hook. Um, particularly your point on social media, I, um, I agree with strongly. I, I read a piece recently called Trial by Social Media um, and it looked at the damage that has been done for a handful of situations where those involved took to social media and sort of ignored by choice or yeah. ignorantly yeah. Uh, the process of justice and then, you know, just the damage that that caused. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, look, I think the boundaries of what is acceptable and unacceptable has absolutely become blurred, particularly on social media. Yeah, I think maybe the publicity that this matter's got in the last week, I'm hoping that it just goes to serve a bit of a check to across media outlets in general about the fact that the process of justice is far more important for all those involved in it, regardless of what side of the courtroom they sit on, for all those involved, it's more important than reporting and the need to report on things. Yep. Now, I've been involved in some things for me as an editor where we have deliberately taken the courts on because we believe through thorough research that a matter should be discussed. Mm -hmm. So, but that hasn't been at the expense of, of jeopardising trials. Right. The, the, I guess the clash of the estates, the classic estates as you like, um, means that the courts and the media will brush up against each other. That, that's, that's natural. Um, but what that needs to be is a considered... Um, considered fight, I guess, not something like this in which, uh, again, a trial is put back. So, look, who knows what happens from here? There's barristers involved, lawyers involved everywhere. Yeah. Um, but we, you know, keep an eye on this. And also, um, you know, it's, it's a refresher potentially for... Um, for all reporters, it's a fast world. You mentioned that things are a bit looser these days, and that's right because with online publishing, um, the old saying is you're never wrong for long because yeah, you can right. jump onto a website, onto a story and change those words in an instant. And if mm -hmm. they're in a newspaper, you can't change them. Once they're done, they're out there. Yeah. But online, you can, you're you never can. wrong for long. So there's my rant. Thanks, Jordan. What's next? <laughs> next was um, I wanted to look at streaming. I look at Nielsen's every month because they put a report out that looks at the month just gone and the streaming numbers in comparison to TV viewership. They've done the same thing again here. Um, and what it's showing is that, you know, like many activities, TV is influenced by the calendar year. So yeah. it has its highs and it has its lows. Yeah. And traditionally, May uh, is where you see the lowest viewership on television. Now, I will point out that these numbers in this report are from the US, but we yes. talk about them a bit, though, because yeah. they often correlate to Australia here. So, pushing back six months or so here as such. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, 
In uh, in May just gone, the the data indicates that viewership is on trend with previous years. It's uh, it's low in May, but um, interestingly, streaming uh, has grown and continues to grow in May. So. We'll take a closer look at, at the breakdown of the overall market share of viewership, which you know is TV and inside TV. You've got uh, your cable and broadcast. Cable yep. makes up thirty six and a half percent. Broadcast is twenty four point four. Streaming came up. Actually, had its biggest increase month to month. It's up at thirty nine, thirty one point nine percent now. Um, so it's almost a third of people who yeah. are watching TV are doing so through streaming services. Absolutely, that is correct. Now, looking at these numbers, total TV time, so it fell 2.7% from April while streaming increased 2%. Right. So the streaming increase was amplified by new content and notably, and you'll be pleased, the Obi-Wan Kenobi on yes. Disney Plus. I've got to watch the finale this weekend. It's yes, out. there's a massive yes. draw card. And yep. season four of Stranger Things on Netflix. Both these uh, shows uh, have an enormous appetite. So Yeah, both getting a big run at our house at the moment too. Yeah, absolutely. So they, they attracted significant numbers uh, yep. for viewership. Um, if we look at the cause of the lower TV viewership, you know, although it's a trend, there there is a cause. So broadcast and cable viewing both declined at three and a half percent each. Um, dra- drama shows, particularly the crime drama, that still continues to drive broadcast viewership. But on cable news, TV viewing fell 4.2%, but sports increased 7% thanks to the NBA playoffs. Yeah, the NBA playoffs for there, of course. Um they would have been too in that time because they ha- you had a couple of big market teams going there through May. That's it. So pretty much the data is telling us that the content coming out on streaming is where people want to be. It's The data also shows that TV is just experiencing its annual lull period, yeah. but um, it's certainly um, looking positive for streaming out of the big franchise uh, series are starting to come out. Yeah, it's interesting for streaming. That'll be a confidence booster after the Netflix discussions in recent months as well about you know hitting peak subscription potentially. But um, I know in my house, as I said, Stranger Things and Obi Wan Kenobi are getting a huge workout from my kids, um, yeah. much more so than anything they're looking at on free to air TV. So they're, they're quite excited about those shows and they look at what comes next. They know those um, dates of release, etc., for those big things. So um, that's. Uh, yeah, that certainly correlates here. But also now, an interesting thing, we talk about this and we've spoken before on the same topic, they're sort of related in some ways, but people returning to movies. What's happening with that? Yeah, so like new content was the sort of key ingredient for streaming in May, it appears to be the same for movies and getting people back to the movie theatres. So. Um, I regularly check an insight section of a site called SimilarWeb and it's a tool that estimates total, total traffic to different websites and often they'll focus on specific industries to, uh, to share the insights yep. there. And the data they've looked at, they've looked at um, the movie industry um, and so the data shows that uh, although the website traffic for the theatre websites in the US particularly, yep. hasn't returned to pre-pandemic levels. Strong traffic growth has continued to surge out of 2021 and that's thanks to big titles like Spider-Man's No Way Home, yep. which you know took in $1.9 in the box office. But I look 
uh, to what we have in the movies at the moment. You've got Top Gun, which had a fantastic opening weekend, took in just over 300 million US yeah. globally. Um, it actually caused traffic surges to the to the Top Gun website where you can go and find tickets for wherever you are. It drove a 423, uh, 423% increase of traffic on that website. Um, but I just think it's been a while that, you know, since we've had the big franchise movies yeah. consistently coming up in the movies, you know, we've got Jurassic Park, Lightyear at the moment. Yep. You know, you'll have Elvis, Spiderhead, Thor and, and the other Marvel things. Yeah. There's plenty for punters to be excited about now. So I expect people to get back to the movies. I haven't been back yet, but I'm, <laughs> I'm getting there. Well, it's been cold. Mind you, I never really lulled. I, I still stuck to the theatre. It was a nice little outing in COVID when we were allowed to do it. So, Yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah. I know. It's, I guess it's not surprising from the fact that you've mentioned those big movies. And mm. I just go back to, to sport as well. If you want to get people interested in sport, you need the big players. You do. It's pretty simple, and that's why Shane Warne was always box office material. Mm-hmm. We've seen the big name players get people in. The same with movies; mm-hmm. the big movies get people in. And that's it. We're finally getting something normal back there after so many delays through COVID. When I mean movies like the James Bond. Yeah, that was the was first one I saw. Out delayed of that, yeah. for how long? It oh was, God, years. Yeah, it just kept getting delayed. Yeah, so yeah. We're getting some normality. It's obviously the American summer, so there's some big movies happening over there at this time of the year. That means we have to go out with blankets on <laughs> to go and watch them here because it's freezing <laughs> yes. for us uh, Queenslanders. Um, but, I mean, it's a good thing to see too, to go out because while, you know, it's so good to watch things in your home, you know, comfort-wise, there's nothing like the big screen no, there isn't. done well. Yeah, I agree. Fully and agree. So uh, these little things we look at every week in this podcast are aimed to try and tap into some of those trends just to get a good handle on them because you know if everyone knew what the trends would be um you know we'd have a lot of very rich people um but we don't that's what's why it's quite fascinating because the behavior is always hard to predict so seeing those ones is quite interesting now this is our last year in review for the financial year i only say that because we're away next week we are away next week we're up in Mackay. we're in Mackay for rugby league's confraternity carnival yes we provide all the communication support for that uh, and it means we're going to be on the road next week and friday when we do the podcast which is going to be grand final day for confraternity shield yep Massive day, that one. It will be. And uh, good luck to all the players who up yes, there. Absolutely. All the schools, more than 50 schools, um, Catholic and independent schools from around Queensland will be in Mackay. We wish them all the very best. The 42nd Confraternity Carnival. And then we'll be back uh, in two weeks, that would mean, for this yep. podcast. Two weeks it is. I'll see you on the plane on Sunday. <laughs> I'll see you then. Yeah.